Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. ah, Watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
Scott Hamilton. I go, what's here on the humble farm? But Dave McKenna, nobody could play like Dave McKenna. He was a great piano player. He always had something going. I like to think, I like to think that when I go somewhere, I am the ideal guest. Listen to this, please. I take off my shoes by the door so I never track in filth. Marsha and I, of course, Marsha and I bring our own food and we wash our own dishes. We bring sleeping bags. We put sleeping bags down on the beds. We have our own pillow covers and the towels so there's never any laundry to pick up or wash up after us. We don't drink. We don't smoke. We go to bed early. And then, listen to this, we do the most important thing of all. When we leave... We take all our belongings so you don't have to tie up something in a bundle and mail it to us. And the next day when you look around in your house and see that nothing is out of place or destroyed, you can turn to your spouse and say, Well, they weren't much fun. Friends, do 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 do. 
Fletcher Henderson, Copenhagen. I am addicted to Facebook. Do you do Facebook? Facebook is no better than the friends you permit to educate you on your Facebook page. I see that Nick and I have 27 mutual Facebook friends. You know, if we were to sell drugs, we'd already have a fantastic distribution network.
Scott Hamilton, Jitterbuggy Waltz here on the Humble Farmer. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Am I going to look in here to say, I should know how long this has been going, I don't see. Oh, there we are. Yes, it is time to remind you that you are listening to the Humble Farmer right here on your favorite radio station. With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com, and I'd love to hear from you. How do you identify genius? I think of genius as being able to do things that I can't do, things that very few other people can do. Genius is being able to think outside of the box. I think that's what they call it. Thinking outside of the box. There are people in my neighborhood that can do things that nobody else can do. Their minds don't work like mine. They can look at a broken machine and see how to repair it. They seem to innately know everything of importance that there is to know. Some people of genius can also see opportunity where you and I would see nothing. Yes, you knew, of course, that I was going to give you an example. Yesterday I went up to Jimmy Parker's house to get some pictures of his boats and his house to use on my television program. Because when I talk about something on my television program, I try to show pictures of it if I can. Jimmy pointed out a bit of sculpture he had nailed to his house. He asked me if I knew what it was, and of course I could see that it was a beautiful metal dragon about 18 inches long. You can see it if you go by. It's right there by his door. It, it uh, has smooth, perfectly executed lines. Anyway, Jimmy said that it was a metal strainer that was in the tall grass, and he'd accidentally hit the thing with his lawnmower. 
He says that next summer he's going to bring more strainers home from the dump and he's going to run over them with his lawnmower. Are you listening? He's going to put a big gallery sign in his front lawn. He's going to put a big enough price on those things so they'll be admired and bought by summer people. Jimmy Parker is a genius. Thank you. 
no coda on there. My, oh, I should say Jack Teagarden. You know Jack Teagarden. I think he was from Texas. My old neighbor, Grant Wiley, told me that way back in the 1930s, he was in the fertilized hen egg business. Grant Wiley said, I had a few hundred hens and a dozen roosters to fertilize the eggs. I kept records, and we ate any rooster or pullet that didn't perform well. But watching them took so much of my time that I got a set of tiny bells and attached them to the roosters. Then I could sit on the porch and fill out an efficiency report just by listening to the tones of the different bells. My favorite bell ringer was old Brewster. But one morning I didn't hear his bell ring once, and I was afraid he'd given his life for the cause. I went out I went out into the hen pen, and I saw several roosters chasing pullets, and their bells were ringing, ding, 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 ding. But old Brewster had his bell in his beak, you know, so it couldn't ring, because that enabled him to sneak up on a pullet, which saved him a lot of running. I showed him off up at the common ground fair, and he took top honors which probably makes me the only farmer in Maine who has ever brought home a Nobel Prize. Thank you. 
Scott Hamilton, and you are, of course, listening to The Humble Farmer. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for being there with me. Do you ever wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and stagger into the kitchen like Dagwood looking for a sandwich? Do you sit but sit down by the television and turn it on at 2 o'clock in the morning while you're eating your sandwich? You know, if you've ever done that, you know that Dagwood would be surprised at what one sees nowadays on television at two in the morning. I certainly was. If you were there, you saw four young women sitting on a couch talking about their boyfriends. They laughed at their boyfriends, and they said unkind things about their boyfriends. And when I finally realized that this was not a talk show, but a commercial for a product that I have never heard of, their credibility collapsed. Anyway, as I walk back upstairs to bed, I get to thinking that in 1951 I was working in a garage in Wiley's Corner for Russ Thomas. Back then you'd have to grind the valves on your car every 10,000 miles or so, so I removed a lot of cylinder heads. And I changed a lot of tires. And when a front end would shimmy and you took it apart, you usually discovered that the bushings were more worn than the kingpins. Thank you. 
sorry. Sorry. Bex on the humble farmer, where? With any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on your favorite radio station. Thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I have a neighbor who says that he never, ever had a complaint from a customer. <laughs> and this is not surprising when you consider that he owns a brush-chewing machine that can pulverize bone. And when I mentioned this complaining business to another neighbor, she said that, speaking of complaints, she once owned a small restaurant where musicians gathered to play. And one day, a man from New York, well, he was from a company in New York that licenses music. And one day, this man from New York, representing the company that licenses music, came in to her restaurant and said that she had to pay him $2,000 because she employed musicians who played from sheet music. And although I won't repeat their discussion here, she said that the fellow left abruptly and never came back when her boyfriend smiled at this man from away and said, How many people in New York know that you're here?
One morning in early fall, my wife Marcia, the almost perfect woman, came down the stairs, walked over to the sink, and, with her tongue hanging out, panted, I'm hot. It's too hot in here. I'm dying from the heat. I walked over beside my beautiful young wife, and I pointed at the thermometer on the wall, and I said, Look at the thermometer, please. It is 57 degrees in here. Well, even a type A woman can't argue with the figures on a thermometer, and she said no more. Shut her right up. But then I very astutely said, It is not hot in here. But when I just came downstairs, I cranked up the heat to 65. The pipes haven't had any heat in them for months since the last killing frost last June. Your nose smelled the dust on those heating pipes starting to warm up, which gives your brain the impression that your body is hot. So, there is obviously a lesson to be learned here. There are probably people in monasteries in Tibet who have been heating their rooms with mental power for centuries. But I claim to be breaking new ground here by suggesting that it would work in Maine. I am able to produce beads of sweat on my wife's brow in an ice-cold room just by giving her a sniff of dust on a warm copper pipe. Wouldn't you consider the ecological and financial benefits of heating your home with the power of your mind? There's an organization in Maine that will give you, I think they call it cedar money. There's an organization in Maine that will give you cedar money to produce and market your invention. There is no reason why the smells of burning cedar or pine can't be canned and marketed to everyone's advantage. If I were you, I would look for it at the next Common Ground Fair.
Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer with any luck at all. I'm here every week at this time on your favorite radio station playing old-fashioned music just for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com and I would love to hear from you. When my old friend and neighbor, Georgie Pease, was 85 or so years old, he went to the hospital. And when Georgie Pease came out of the hospital, they put him in one of those halfway house things where they put people, you know about it, they put these people in these halfway houses where, because they're too well to be in the hospital, but they're still not well enough to take care of themselves at home. You know what these places are. And when 85-year-old Georgie Pease was restored to health and happiness in this halfway house and went back to his little home on the ocean in Martinsville, Maine, he discovered that his pension, I think it was his Social Security pension, I'm not sure, when he got home, he discovered that his pension stopped coming. And after three months of no pension, Georgie Pease asked the people in charge why they had shut off his pension. And, after much research and deliberation, it was determined that after he came out of the hospital, Georgie Pease had been put in that halfway house place to recover. And then he had left that halfway house place. And to the best of anyone's knowledge, Georgie Pease was the first resident to ever leave that place alive.
Almost time to get out of here. I got another couple of minutes. Thank you for hanging in here with me. Humble here, of course. If you think about some things, they contradict themselves. So why cause yourself unnecessary distress by thinking? In the book 1984, you will remember that people were taught the art of double-think. Double-think is the ability to hold two contradictory beliefs at the same time and accept both as true. Please tell me if you think this might be an example. One of the great propaganda lies of our generation is the phrase, tax and spend, tax and spend. The phrase tax and spend is supposed to carry the connotation of evil. But it would be even easier to come up with a phrase for the other political party like borrow and bomb. And of course that describes a really evil practice. Unlike bombing, taxation is a necessary evil. It is the means by which you and I raise money to pay for our schools, our roads, our police and firefighters and all the other services which we have come to think of as being essential in our society. So consider this. Every day on television, we now see an ad run, run several times. This ad runs several times. It encourages us to vote to spend money that will repair roads and bridges. I can't think of anyone who doesn't want good, safe roads and bridges, can you? But isn't it interesting to realize that the people who own these construction companies and are paying for all these road-building television commercials that encourage us to tax and spend are the same people who would blow a blood vessel should anyone mention tax and spend. You see, it makes a difference who gets to put in their pockets your tax dollars that are being spent. And here's another thing that you don't even want to think about. I heard, I heard that Maine state legislators were afraid to raise the tax on gasoline by one cent a gallon. <laughs> individual legislators, because they were thinking about an upcoming election, individual legislators were afraid to levy this one cent a gallon tax that would repair roads and bridges. All the money would go to repair roads, roads and bridges. They were afraid to levy this one cent a gallon tax for fear that some conservative watchdog group would record their vote as being, yes, anti-business. Meanwhile, in two short months, the price of gasoline can go up 50 cents a gallon and no one says a word.
mix, mix by the back. And Scott Hamilton here, side by side on the Humble Farmer program. From time to time, my wife Marsha, the almost perfect woman, tries to grab extra credit by preparing one of my favorite gourmet meals. So she opens a can of B&M beans and warms it up in the company of two hot dogs. But, although my wife is the greatest provider in captivity, she considers me to be no more than a disposal unit for nutrients. After I've eaten, she'll look at whatever she has prepared for a meal and say, You can eat this little bit that's left. You see, it has nothing to do with what my body can comfortably accommodate. It has to do with disposing of the food that is left. Is there someone in your home who says the same thing to you? Years ago, I had an animal that rooted around in a pen out back, and that animal would eat anything that was left over. The next time someone tries to scrape a, a little extra food on your plate, don't bother to ask her what she thinks you are. You already know. Thank you, thank you, thank you for lingering a while with the humble farmer. With any luck at all, I'll be back next week, same time, right here on your favorite station, playing old-fashioned music just for you.